Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, we are continuing. Do you guys know how many months we've been in this series, The Revolutionary Way? We've been in this series for eight months, eight months in The Revolutionary Way, where we've been talking about, we've been talking about this revolution that Jesus is starting, that get this, you guys, get this, Jesus has invited you into this revolution. That this global movement that God has started in Jesus Christ, it is a revolution. And every single person in this room, every single student, every single leader, that every single adult, all of us have been invited to get this, guys, to leave everything and to follow Jesus. I mean, make, make no mistakes about it. This whole Jesus thing, is not like a get rich scheme, right? This whole Jesus thing is not like, oh man, life's gonna be so much better. Or I'm just gonna add him to my life. I'm just gonna show up on Wednesdays and if I do X, Y, and Z, that man, life is gonna work out my way. It's actually better than that. Because this revolution that Jesus is starting, it doesn't just begin out there, it actually begins in here that it begins in each one of our hearts and in our lives. And as he revolutionizes our lives, as he begins to transform us and change us and shape us more into the kind of person that he is, all of a sudden we see the revolution spilling out all over us. And I'm telling you, some of you are going into school this year and you're looking for meaning and you're looking for purpose. And I believe the passage that we're talking about tonight, just for a few minutes here, is going to invite you and call you to make a choice. That maybe you're on the cusp of entering into a relationship or you just got into a relationship and your relationship could go in one of two directions. And I think Jesus wants to speak to you tonight. If you're on the verge of deciding whether you're going to be a partier or whether you're going to follow Christ, I think tonight he wants to speak to you. Some of you I've told this before, actually I talked about it a little bit on Sunday. Um, right before VBS, right before VBS started, um, I actually tore my meniscus. Has anyone ever tore their meniscus? Anyone had that before? So basically what happened is I was up on the stage. Anybody remember Jana Elira? We all love Jana Elira, right? Jana was singing, doing her thing. She called all the dads up. So we're all like dancing, having fun. And then I'm walking off the stage and literally I get to this from the second step. There's one more step and then there's the floor. And for some reason, like I miss that step, right? I miss that step. And I step off and for some reason, my knee lands in a really weird way. It kind of twists and all of a sudden I feel this like pressure and this pain that I've never felt before. And so I kind of hobble over to the chairs and eventually some people have to carry me out. And, and as, I'm, as I'm in my car, my wife drives me over to the ER. And so I'm in the ER and over there, I mean, people have like, you know, like stabbings and crazy sicknesses and like gnarly stuff going on, right? And so I get up to the desk with the ER lady and there's tons of people around me with like really real life crazy conditions, right? And so I'm kind of like nervous. That's okay. I hope that didn't shatter. That would suck. That would suck. I, I'm with you. I'm okay. That's all right. That's all right. Um, don't do it again. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there at the ER and literally this woman, she looks at me and she goes, okay, so I, I'm reading your report. Let me just get this straight. You, um, you fell off a curb? And I'm like, no, I didn't fall off a curb. It was like, two steps and there was like carpet and there was kids around. It was crazy. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like build up this amazing story and she's not buying it. And so they call me back and they do some scans and they do some studies and I take an, I get an MRI. 
And this is the best part, you guys. This is the best part. Are you ready for this? The MRI found out that I didn't get this meniscal tear because I'm fat, old, and just an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like that wasn't the report, right? Here's what the test showed. The test showed that the reason, or that this kind of injury is like almost exclusive. My wife, Sarah, found this out. Is Sarah here somewhere? I don't know where she's at, but that was really cool of her to find this out. She found out that this specific tear is only common. It's only common amongst people that are 35 and under and who are athletes. <laughs> you guys, you guys, this is a freaking miracle, okay? Listen to this for a second. My body is under the impression that we're training for an Olympic event. You know what I mean? My body has been fooled into thinking that I'm an Olympian. So all that to say, all that to say, I've got two options before me. And I just visited with my, sur I'm gonna have to have surgery. And I just visited with my surgeon and basically he said, you've got two options. You can continue down this path of kind of having this limp that you've gotten used to, or instead, instead you could have surgery. And once we get in there, we're not sure if we're going to repair it or remove it. We're not sure exactly what's going to happen, but we believe this is the best way for you. There's a little bit of risk involved. There's a little bit of unknown involved. You can continue going on the path that's most comfortable for you in some way right now because it's predictable, or you could choose this option that is unknown, unfamiliar, but we believe is going to be better for you. And when he said that to me, I said, man, isn't that the options before us all the time. That we could continue to live life at our comfort zone in the relationships that we can control, that we prefer, doing the things that don't get us out of the boat, that don't cause us to be used by God, or instead we could begin to live this life that's a little bit riskier, that's a little bit unknown, that's slightly unfamiliar. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, he says this. Oh, I'm sorry, not, uh, not 21, um, verse 13. Chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here's the crazy thing about following Jesus. It's really, really, really uncommon. And it's really, really, really unpopular. And it's really, really, really challenging. And it's really, really, really gonna demand that you give it all up and trust and follow him. You see, Jesus says, hey, hey, there's this really wide road with this really big gate that the majority of people are traveling down that path. And that path is called the self-centered life. That, that life literally is dictated and controlled by what do I want? What's going to make me feel good in a moment? What's most interesting to me? What's most comfortable for me? That's where that life is headed. That's where that life is going. And here's the devastating reality of that. That life ends with you. That, that, that life, you're the king of the story, you're the hero, and it's ultimately pointless. It ultimately lacks that meaning and that purpose. I, I mean, that life is you going to school, and every day is just about building your popularity, growing your reputation, 
Nothing happening to you that could possibly embarrass you or stretch you outside of your comfort zone. That's where the self-centered life leads. And you see, that life, that life feels comfortable for a moment. But right under the surface of comfort is emptiness. It's nothing. It's pointless. I've said this quote to you guys before. Um, I love reading. I'm just not really good at reading books, so I read Twitter. And on Twitter, on Twitter, there was this quote. It's just easier, and it's, you, can, you can accomplish it. You know what I mean? You can be like, I read something today. It was a tweet. And so the tweet said this. Start living today the stories you want to tell on your 83rd birthday. Start living today the stories that on your 83rd birthday you want to talk about, that you want to tell. And here's what's crazy, high school students, now is the time. This is the moment for you to say, you know what, I am at a fork in the road. And maybe, I believe some of you are here tonight. That some of you are at this fork in the road and you've been on the party scene, you've been on the girls or the guys scene, you've been on the self-centered life journey. I mean, that, that is what your life has been about. And the problem with that is, you're gonna get to your 83rd birthday and all of your stories are gonna be empty. All of your stories are gonna lack meaning and purpose because they're all gonna revolve around you. But tonight, you're being offered, and every night and every day, you're being offered by Jesus this opportunity to walk in a different way. Notice, Jesus, the first thing he says is, enter through the narrow gate. You know what that means? That means he's giving you an option. He's not saying that you're prescribed to walk through the narrow gate and you're prescribed to walk through the wide gate and you have no choice and you're just kind of a robot walking. That's not what he says. He says, enter. It's a command. It's an invitation for you and I to choose which way we want to go. And he's pleading with us. He's saying, plead. Think about what we talked about up to this point. Think about what it means to surrender your desires over to God and say, God, I am going to ultimately choose, instead of the self-centered life, I'm going to choose the Jesus-centered life. And you know what's awesome about the Jesus-centered life? Is it sucks at times. And it's hard sometimes. And it's going to require you to forgive somebody that you don't want to forgive. And it's going to require you to reconcile. And it's going to require you to step outside of your comfort zone. It's going to require you to do things that in the moment you're going, I would rather just be about me. I'd just rather do me. I don't want to follow God right now. But as you walk down that road, you won't find yourself at the gates of destruction. You'll find yourself at the gates of life. You see, the Jesus-centered life, right under the giving up of drugs and alcohol, right, right, right under the letting go of your pride and your lust, right under the having to seek out accountability for a personal struggle, right under having to be uncomfortable and going up to somebody and saying, I just feel like God has called me to come and talk to you, right under, instead of pursuing your own reputation, pursuing God's glory, right under that is infinite amount of meaning and purpose. So I wanted to ask these two questions as we close up. Why? Like, why would you even trust Jesus? Because literally, Jesus is asking you to leave everything behind and to follow this narrow road that's hard and painful and challenging. Why do it? Here's why, two reasons. Number one, Jesus is crazy about you. You see, 
Jesus is the author, perfecter, and center of a revolutionary's life. That if you are on this journey of being a revolutionary, if you are a revolutionary in the way you are following God, that means he is the author of your life. That means he got this whole thing started. He was the one who brought you into existence. None of you thought, man, I'd be really cool and then like showed up on planet Earth. None of you did that. That it was you, you were a, you were a thought in God's mind before you were ever a thought in anyone else's mind. And so Jesus is the author of your life. He's also the perfecter. This means as you're walking that road and as you want to turn back or as you want to go in your own way, he's going to perfect you. And oftentimes that's a painful, challenging process. But he's doing it because he loves you. And then ultimately, when he's at the very center of your life, you begin to pray prayers like this. God, today is not my own. It belongs to you. Use me. Can I ask you a a tough question that's just coming out of love? Could you pray that prayer honestly right now? I want you to think about that. Like, are you at a place right now in your relationship with God where you could honestly pray, God, my life is not my own. It is yours. Use me. Because I'm telling you, students, don't miss it. Jesus is not just like another like, notch on your belt. He's, he's not another accomplishment. He's not just an idea. He's, he's not even a belief. He's an invitation to give up every part of your life and follow him. That's what the revolutionary does. So why? Why trust him when he asks you to do something hard, when he asks you to walk the narrow path? Because he loves you. He loves you so much that He willingly went on a cross to take every one of your sin and my sin. I'm the biggest sinner in the room and Jesus took all of my sin so that I could live with him without any baggage in between. Second reason you can trust him is because he predicted and pulled off his own death and resurrection. And as soon as one of you, or as soon as I, predict my death and my resurrection and pull it off, we'll follow that guy. But for right now, he's the only person in human history that has ever done that, and he's the only person who ever will because he's the only God of the universe. And when Jesus died on a cross and then pronounced before that, I'm gonna actually rise from the dead and pulled it off, he's somebody we can trust. If he's the author of life, then he's the best person for us to go to and say, well, how is life intended to be lived? What is he asking of you? Maybe you're looking for like really practical things. What is he asking of you? I just want to remind you of three from what we've studied. The first one is this. He has invited you to be salt and light. I want you to write down Matthew chapter five, verse 13 to 16. Matthew chapter five, verse 13 to 16. You are invited to be salt and light. This means that on your baseball teams, on your soccer teams, at the locker room, in your classes, that wherever you find yourself, in your families, he has called you the narrow road. The narrow road is to say, okay, God, Today, you have called me to be salt and light. You have called me to be a blessing. You have called me to make a difference. And so I'll live my life to that end. The second one, this might be a tough one. He's called you to reconcile broken relationships. Mel, can we throw this one up? Matthew chapter 5, 23. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. It says this. I'll read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 says this. 
Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift. See, the the first challenging thing I think God's calling you to do is be bold, to be salt and light everywhere you go. The second thing I think he's calling you to do is to reconcile. Christians, If there's somebody right now in your life that you're at odds with, God is not okay with that. God's not stoked on that. In fact, in fact, it's crazy. He'd rather you not show up to a worship service and deal with that. I mean, think about that. That's pretty crazy that that God would say, man, if it's between you coming to a worship service or you dealing with this issue, I'd rather you go deal with that issue and then come to worship. So Christians... If there's somebody in your life right now that there's tension, there's animosity, there's an unreconciled relationship, God is not okay with that. And lastly, last one I want to share with you is to seek Jesus above all else. Check out Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, the narrow road, the narrow road looks like you putting Jesus first. And I'm just gonna say this, that means your girlfriend or your boyfriend can't be first. That means your grades can't be first. That means your sports can't be first. No, 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 hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You need to do really, really well in school and you need to be awesome boyfriends and girlfriends to each other. And you need to be amazing on your sports teams. But it means this, that your identity and your worth and your value does not come from the person you're dating, does not come from the grades that you're achieving, and it doesn't come from the sports that you're playing. But your primary worth and identity and value and your confidence comes from you seeking God and knowing that you are his that you belong to him and that he's crazy about you. So as we pray, as we pray, I wanna actually read the words of Moses. Moses, at the end of Deuteronomy, he kind of gives a wrap-up like Jesus gave his wrap-up, and it's very interesting how similar these two are. It's almost like Jesus is kind of throwing back to Moses' day And saying, hey, that stuff Moses was talking about, I'm talking about the same thing, but in its fullness. So would you close your eyes as we pray? See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you to this day, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Holy Spirit, as Moses 
called the people to choose life. And then as Jesus, as he's wrapping up this epic sermon, invites us to the narrow way, would we be people that would choose to leave behind the self-centered life and to run passionately towards the Jesus-centered life? Because though they both have the words life in them, one leads to destruction and the other one leads to meaning and purpose. And so tonight in our small groups, as we process and talk through what it is that maybe we need to leave behind, what it looks like to surrender to you, I pray, Jesus, that we would choose the narrow, Jesus-centered way, not the selfish, broad way. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, hold on.